The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. My wife, Marsha, the almost perfect woman, and I got into a big motorhome with friends and went down to Key West for a few days. I like Key West. It's certainly different. Don't you think it's interesting that I also like Smurgin and Monhegan? Key West and Smurgin and Monhegan are all islands. Marsha packed food and clothes. I didn't bother to pack much of anything, which, well, this was a big mistake because I forgot to bring a belt or suspenders, if you can believe this. Most of my pants are so small that I can navigate without a belt, but the pants I took to Key West had about an inch of slack around the waist. Now, yes, yes, I know. I could have corrected the problem with a piece of rope, but I didn't think of it at the time. So I, I walked, listen to this, I walked the streets of Key West for two days with both hands hanging onto my pants so they wouldn't fall down around my knees. And anyone who saw me probably thought, hey, look at that old fool trying to dress like a teenage kid. Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Thank you. 
Scott Hamilton, I'm kind of out of, I'm kind of out of breath here because I, I stand up and kind of dance along with him. <laughs> Do you dance to this music? I suppose you can't if you're riding in your car. Hear that little Bix quote in there? Do, 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 from singing the blues. Here's a letter from a radio friend. Love to hear from you. I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com. And this radio friend might have been listening to this program 35 or more years ago. He writes to me, hey, thanks for getting back to me. Well, I didn't hear your show on the radio. I actually heard a tune that suddenly reminded me of your show. He heard some fat swallow is what it was. It reminded him of me, so he wrote to me, and I answered him. He's replying to my answer. He said, I, I haven't heard you in many years, so it's great to find all these podcasts. I've always loved the music you play. I think it goes back to riding in the back seat of my grandfather's car as he drove around New York with WNEW on the radio. As a kid, I remember many Friday nights listening to your music and voice since I was very young. I grew up in North Yarmouth. Dad had a farm, went to college in Castine, then went off to sea. Eventually, I landed in Southern California after traveling the world on ships. My perfect wife and I live in Dana Point, that's in California, with our three kids. More recently, I used to drive an elderly friend around to his meetings, and we would listen to the oldies. He'd tell me stories of running around with Hoagie Carmichael and how he and Hoagie would get drunk and sing Stardust together. I currently work in the port of Los Angeles, managing a shipping operations for a large organization. My wife and I like to get back to Maine in the summer to visit. Perhaps we could swing by some day. I've been known to take a sailboat up to Camden now and then. Really, it's neat to hear your show again and to communicate with you. Thanks for bringing back the memories. Oh, how nice to hear from a radio friend. Imagine that. Listen, 30, 35 years ago as a small child. <laughs> I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, too.
1920-something version of Let's Go to the Hop. Handful of riffs here on the humble farmer. When I came out of the bathroom one morning, my wife Marcia said, You were in there talking about what you were going to do today. I think you're going crazy. Now, because this was a big surprise to me, I didn't realize that I talked out loud to myself, but as, as the day went on, I realized that when I was alone, I muttered all the time. Listening to myself for the first time, I I was somewhat shocked to hear myself employing lexical items that I never used with anyone, but must have acquired around 1973 while listening to the Nixon White House tapes. So, because I don't want people to think I'm bonkers, I, I might have to get a little doggy friend. People who talk to animals are considered normal. Thank you. 
Scott Hamilton, of course, here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you. Thank you for listening with any luck at all. I'm here every week at this time, right here on your favorite radio station, playing old-fashioned music just for you. Thank you again for listening. We're talking about doggies today. It was probably 60 years ago that my father's dog, Susie, died, so I might have a problem learning how to care for a pet in this day and age. If you can remember when Doggy's primary sustenance was table scraps, well, your your grandchildren have probably had several serious discussions about hiding the keys to your car. If you're really old, you might even be able to remember when Doggy roamed about the neighborhood as freely as children did. Now, i got to admit this. Back then... A freezing rain or below zero temperatures might have warranted Doggy's admission to the house. You know, if there wasn't a nice comfortable hay barn at the other end of the backyard where he could bed down with the cows. But but today, think about this. Today, today's Doggy has been anthropomorphized to the point where Doggy sleeps with his owner and eats expensive food from brightly illustrated cans. Doggy sits by the table and, think about this, Doggy sits by the table and after the meal he even eagerly lamps clean the dinner plates.
Kenny's Cotton Pickers here on the Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. Talking about doggies and how they've moved into the house. Now, a social scientist might attribute this curious turn of events, this, this bringing dogs into the home and treating them like humans, to an affluent society. Think about this. Although why more expendable income should make anyone who does not live in an igloo want to sleep with a dog is anyone's guess. Do you have friends who shudder when you suggest that doggy might be comfortable on a blanket on the garage floor? Well past the age of 70, I slept more than a few nights on hardwood floors after doing stage shows on a main island. And anyone who has survived a week of outward bound will tell you that Anyone who can sleep in a cold, wet boat would welcome nights. Well, they would welcome nights in a in a doghouse or a barn.
Scott Hamilton here on the Humble Farmer. Where with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Right here on your favorite station. Thank you again for listening. Talking about doggies and, of course, today even the word doghouse. Well, doghouse at worst has the unpleasant connotation of marital strife. And at best, it'll chill the coffee at the breakfast table. If you've spent any time in the great outdoors with doggies, you know that, like most any animal or three-year-old child, doggies will scoffle up off the street things that your normal old main man would find repulsive. They gobble it down. Slugs, yogurt, pepperoni pizza, uh, quiche, quiche. If you give this any serious thought at all, you will realize that if canned dog food were bought by dogs, the list of ingredients, the list of ingredients and the pictures on the can might include some fresh roadkill and some greasy rags.
Adam Markowitz. Brad Terry stopped. Adam Markowitz. Brad Terry stopped by here the other day and brought me that seed day. Brad plays in Poland from time to time, and he knows a lot of these Polish musicians. And he said, you're going to listen to Adam Markowitz. And that's what we just heard. Pretty remarkable, huh? Talking about doggies, we said that if canned dog food were bought by dogs, the list of ingredients in the pictures on the can might include some fresh roadkill and some greasy rags, but, you know, because canned dog food is dropped into grocery carts by dog lovers, the pictures on the can and the list of ingredients, think about this, they have to approximate what yuppies would like to see on their own dinner plates. They're buying for themselves. They're buying for themselves. They like to see generous, juicy chunks of chicken, fresh green vegetables. Nowadays, you know this is true, nowadays it's difficult to watch a television commercial for dog food without wanting to get right down on your elbows and savor those succulent proteins, oils, and vitamins and minerals for yourself. Now, we're not here to argue that attributing humanoid characteristics to doggies are good or bad. But just to point out, I want to point out that in my neighborhood 70 years ago, rubbing noses with or kissing a family pet, well, back when I was a kid, that would have raised more than a few eyebrows.
Yes, I'm still here. I have not abandoned you, my friend. Scott Hamilton, we're going to say who was on there. John Bunch, of course, Chris Flory, Phil Flanagan, Chuck Riggs. It has not escaped our attention that billions of extra dollars have been generated simply by having Doggy assume the psychological mantle of his human friends. And it has not escaped our attention that this anthropomorphism, this habit we have of attributing human characteristic to animals, this is driven by Madison Avenue. They've obviously found one more profitable market here. But when you think about this, at the end of the day, a dog is a dog. And if you clean the hamburger grease off your grill with paper towels at supper time, if you throw those paper towels into a wastebasket, the minute you turn your back, your hundred-pound doggy will swallow the whole business. Because you know what's going to happen. A few hours later, Mother Nature steps in and doggy expels those greasy towels. And of course, this was never a problem when I was a kid when Doggy slept in the barn or in his own little doggy house out back. But you know, if Doggy sleeps on your bed, you are going to have one delicate project on your hands in the morning.
world was that, you were asking yourself. Bill Evans and Marion. I only saw Marion once. It was at a public radio convention in Minneapolis. They brought us all into this room. We didn't know she was going to be there. And they turned out the lights, and Marion trotted out and played piano for us, complaining all the time about her sore hands, of course. She was quite, quite aged then at the time. You're listening to The Humble Farmer on your favorite radio station, for which I thank you, thank you, thank you. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And I thank you for permitting me to ask you questions because you might have the answers to many questions, you know, the answers to questions that escape me. What is the purpose of education? Are some children wasting their time and their teachers' time by going to school? Think about this. Can common sense be taught in schools? Let us consider the case of a man who was trapped under a trailer that dropped on him. According to my newspaper, this man had been living in a motel with his girlfriend and children after being evicted from an apartment by their landlord. A judge gave this man a few weeks to make the trailer habitable for his family before serving a prison term for stealing. Had school consolidation and no child left behind been implemented implemented 30, 40 years ago, do you think it would have made a bit of difference? Or would this man still be trapped under his trailer?
Scott Hamilton. Thank you for listening. There really are two main windows, you know. One is enjoyed by our friends with ski racks on their Volvos, and the other main window is dreaded by elderly Maine natives like myself. We have shoveled too much snow, you know. And the difference in the main winter is in the eye of the beholder. When you read of inhaling crisp, fresh Maine air as newly fallen flakes crunch beneath vintage L.L. Bean boots with a sprinkling of the full moon's reflection on sparkling pine boughs, <laughs> you can bet the writer was raised in a Philadelphia suburb where knocking steam radiators exuded comfort into every bedroom. Every year her parents brought her to Maine for two weeks of gunk hole in between Maple Juice Cove and Narraguegas Bay, in August, of course. Properly disillusioned, for years this young thing dreamed of living in Maine. After her schooling, with a bit of help from her grandfather, she bought an airtight house with triple-pane windows, contracted to have her driveway plowed, settled back with a cup of hot chocolate, and commenced to grind out copy, celebrating the main winter. To a hapless native like myself, however, who has lived and worked in snow and freezing rain, changed truck tires and freezing rain, you know, just the sight of a single snowflake recalls the kind of frigid misery that has even grizzled lobster catchers from Beals and Manhagen. Well, that's when they sneak off to their Arizona condos.
Adam Makowitz. Thank you for listening to the Humble Farmer. About time to get out of here. I am superstitious, I confess it. Do I believe that I'll have bad luck if a black cat crosses my path? Not really, but I go a great distance out of my way to avoid it. Am I extra careful on my birthday and certain holidays? Yes, I am. Does it hurt to be careful every day of the year? No. Is it dangerous to light three cigarettes with one match? Because you're taking your life in your hands if you light a cigarette with anything. Because nowadays the lighters can explode in your pocket. Do you capture someone's soul when you take their picture? When you hear some women scream and run at the sight of a camera, you'd think so. Do I believe that if a rocking chair is rocking with nobody in it, that somebody will die? Not really. But why take unnecessary chances? Thank you.